A Year Ends in Mercy. As you may well imagine, there is rarely a quiet moment at the home filled with dozens and dozens of teenagers. The period that starts just before Thanksgiving and runs up to the new year is particularly noisy and a hectic time at Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. Our children and co-workers are busy not only with school, but also with preparing to celebrate the holiday season as one enormous family. I love it when all of our boys and girls and co-workers have the chance to gather together and to share in a spiritual celebration. It is truly a gift to share a Thanksgiving meal and to pause to recognize how grateful we all are for one another, for you, and for what God has provided for us. Continuing in the spirit of gratitude, I recall one day a few weeks after Thanksgiving, I was preparing to host our annual Christmas party for our four boards. It is the one opportunity that I have each year to thank all of our board members in person for everything that they do for the children entrusted to our care, and for their generosity of spirit, and for their financial support that they commit to helping us to save young lives. The celebration was to be held in a meeting room just beyond the main entrance of our Hay Boys Campus in Chicago in the West Loop. It's not a particularly fancy affair, just a simple gathering with friends. It's an occasion for us to also reflect on how good God has been to us and how grateful we are that we can share our gifts to help the children who are suffering. The event was about to begin at the end of the workday. And as always, I was looking forward to it. About 15 minutes before our guests were scheduled to arrive, I heard a commotion out in the reception area, and I went out to see what was causing the ruckus, and I saw Ben. He was clearly having a very bad day. He was clearly having, the truth be told, a temper tantrum. He was screaming and yelling. He acted completely combative towards his youth care workers. Simply put, Ben was out of control at the moment. Sometimes the terrible hurt that our children have suffered in the past comes out as anger, and Ben was a good example of this. He had only lived with us for a few months at this time. While he now had the kind of structure, stability, and support that he was lacking in his home life before, he struggled early on with rules and with authority and in his relationships with his peers. Trusting others is often a major hurdle for our young people. Many have been lied to and disappointed for so long before they come to us that they develop any number of protective behaviors. Some, like Ben, can adopt an especially defiant posture if they feel challenged. Ben came to us from his grandparents' home because his mother struggled with drugs. He had moved repeatedly as a young boy, and on his ninth birthday, his mother married a man who was volatile and physically abusive to her. By the time Ben was in junior high, the increased presence of gangs in the neighborhood added pressure on a family already trying to cope with significant personal stresses. All of our youth are impacted by trauma, like Ben. So when they act out, it's up to us to learn what's behind the anger and redirect them towards a moment of insight and healing. We frequently say, get curious, not furious. 
In fact, within the safety of our therapeutic environment, conflict can be a signal that the youth is on the verge of making dramatic progress. Before that could happen on this particular day, we needed to get Ben out of the busy reception area and to a quieter setting where he could become calm and begin to get to the heart of what was truly upsetting him. Additionally, I think you can identify with me how you work hard to put your best foot forward when company is coming. I surely didn't want our guests to see Ben's behavior at that moment, no matter how understandable a struggle may lie behind it. So I went over to Ben to see how I might be of help. Our co-workers, myself included, are trained in de-escalating skills, rooted in our constant awareness of the ways that past trauma influences how our children handle stress. We try to be creative in guiding an agitated youth to a more reasonable place. I listened to Ben for a while, and then I had a thought. Ben, I said, come with me. Thinking back on it now, I laugh. It was the second week of December in Chicago, and I was dressed in a short sleeve shirt. I took Ben outside without a coat, and I brought him over to our manger scene. We have a beautiful crush at the boys' home and another at our girls' home. I like to spend quiet time there in the presence of the Holy Family during Advent. I didn't really have a plan when I escorted Ben outside to see the manger. I only knew that it was something that gave me peace amid the hustle and bustle of this busiest of seasons. I thought it might give Ben some peace at this moment, too. Through God's grace or the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I simply started telling Ben the Christmas story. Through God's grace or the work of the Holy Spirit, the Christmas story soothed him. Ben slowly released the remaining grip that he held on his rage, and he began to pay closer attention to what I was saying. The Christmas story is truly humanity's story, and it needs to be told over and over and over again. The story reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. In St. John's Gospel, we are told that the very word of God became flesh to dwell among us. The medieval theologian, Meister Eckhart, said it so eloquently, You may call God love. You may call God goodness. But the best name for God is compassion. Jesus comes to us as the compassion of God. And the word compassion means simply to walk with those who are suffering in life. That is what I chose to do with Ben that afternoon. As guests were filing in to celebrate Christmas, our rebirth in the new life of Christ our Savior, I was out walking with Ben. That is what I have chosen as my ministry for nearly 35 years. That is what friends like you do with your support of this mission of God's mercy. You walk with our children. You bring them compassion, hope, and healing. The sun was fully down now, and it was getting chilly. So I took Ben back inside, where he apologized to his youth care worker for the verbal tirade that he had launched not long before. Without hesitation, all was forgiven. The Venerable Mother Catherine Elizabeth Macaulay, who founded the Sisters of Mercy in Ireland, said, 
Mercy receives the ungrateful again and again and is never weary in pardoning them. Like mercy itself, our co-workers understand what it means to walk with those who suffer. While human, they remain undeterred by the occasional bad day that may cause a young person to lash out. Instead, they serve out of a calling to live the word compassion. They are truly instruments of God's peace, God's love, and most of all, God's mercy. Ben and his youth care worker went off down the hallway together, probably to dinner in the cafeteria or up to his room to do his homework. I really don't know, because I now had to turn my attention to our guests who are already reveling in the spirit of Christmas and in the warmth of one another's company. It was a wonderful celebration as always. As it happens, the room is fronted by a wall of floor-to-ceiling windows that looked out this night on our manger scene, now fully lit against the darkened December sky. By about 8.30 that evening, small snowflakes had begun to fall, and they too shimmered like embers in a campfire against the illumination from the crush. They seemed to mirror the sparks from the fireplace crackling inside our gathering room. It was a most fitting and inspirational backdrop to our Christmas celebration. Finally, as the remaining guests said their final goodbyes and collected their coats and purses, movement outside the window caught my eye. I stopped to take a closer look. There by the manger, I saw Ben, this time with the same youth care worker at whom he had screamed a few hours earlier. Only now, they were both smiling and laughing together. The snow was coming down a little heavier by this point, but Ben and his youth care workers seemed unconcerned as they basked in the glow of Mary and Joseph, the angels and the magi, the shepherds and the animals, all of them giving thanks and praise for God's greatest gift to mankind, a Savior lying in a manger. As you can imagine, my attention was now fully transfixed on the scene outside our window beyond the last remnants of our joyful gathering. I watched as Ben took a blanket from his youth care worker and laid it over the baby Jesus. Then he placed something else inside the manger, though I could not tell what it was. The two reflected a little longer, my co-worker's arm resting on Ben's shoulder. Soon they walked back inside. I have to admit to you that tears came to my eyes at this sight. My heart swelled with joy to know that Ben had found the good in his day and calm in his heart. At that moment, there was peace on earth and goodwill towards all. A little later, after all of our guests had left, I went outside into the snow and towards the manger to grab a quiet moment of peace for myself and to reflect on the meaning of the Christmas story and what it means to this ministry and to our children. When I got close, I was moved to find what it was that Ben had placed near the baby Jesus, now wrapped in a second set of swaddling clothes. It was a note that read, I know it's cold. I want you to be warm. Thank you for loving me, Ben. Ben's story, the Christmas story, is truly the story of the work that we do at Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. 
It is the story of what your love and your prayers make possible in the lives of our children day after day, year after year. It is the story of how your generosity and compassion ripple throughout the generations that follow. It is the story of God's love for each one of us, the story of his gift of light that illuminates the darkest places of the world, the story of God's tender healing mercy.